Hi, Anna. Hi, Andrew. And hey, everybody else. And welcome to our podcast. Scary, Scary stories, stories to, to tell, tell on the, the pod. pod. It is a podcast. Oh, wait, I guess, is it your turn to say what the podcast is about today, Anna? The, I don't remember anything. Oh, that's okay. I, the, the podcast is about that. It's about half starting something, then being like, I made a mistake. Bail, bail, bail. That's, and that's what a ghost really is. A ghost is a bail on life. It is. Yeah. Um, did we say what it was about? No, sure didn't. <laughs> uh, this is a podcast about scary stories, urban legends, and spooky things you tell us about, uh, hosted by Anna Dresden and me, Andrew. And that's that's all there is to it. He doesn't have a last I name. I don't. I got rid of it. Got rid of it. Early spring cleaning. No more last he name. He went to the city hall and said, make me a star. <laughs> make me a star. And they ripped your birth certificate in half and handed you back <laughs> the part with just your name on it. And they said, you're welcome. I started watching um, Pacific Heights, which is a horror movie from 1990 starring uh, Michael Keaton as a bad tenant. Oh. It's kind of a it's kind of a, a horror movie for the for the yuppie landowner pacific heights does yeah. it what's the the gist is matthew modine and uh melanie griffith are young riches and they buy a victorian house in san francisco i believe okay and they like have this whole business plan out where they're like this is great we're gonna rent it out and they rent it to michael keaton who is a, like a serial bad tenant who destroys people's lives until <laughs> they have to give him the house i think i'm not done with it yet <laughs> Um, it sounds. It sounds like he's my hero. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's the thi- that's the thing. That now it's like it really. We have come around, and Matthew Modine is very unsympathetic in it. You know, this um, is from the eighties because the the landowners in San Francisco. Are I know the, the the protagonists who are wronged, and it is it is wild that he like all of the things he's like he's learned every law like he knows he knows his rights as a tenant. This is terrible. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, he fills he fills his apartment with cockroaches, and um, and then he like lures them into attacking him, but not really. I don't know. He makes them a dollhouse of the house. He lures the cockroaches into attacking him. No, that would be great. I would much. Oh, prefer he that lures movie. it into attacking the the landlord. Yeah. yeah oh, okay. Yeah. I thought he was gonna say these cockroaches attacked me. I was <laughs> yeah. like, this is very involved. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you could just yeah. draw on little tiny bite marks with a marker or something. It's kind of a Joe's apartment mashup. Remember that movie about the cockroaches, the guy who had cockroaches in his apartment? No. That occupies a lot of cultural space in my head for no reason. I think it probably was a, a absolute bust, but I remember the trailers for it being like, well, this is going to be the biggest hit of my lifetime. Anyway. Hey, remember Pizza Rat? <laughs> <laughs> but why I thought of that is that in the opening credits, one of the cast members just has one name. And I was like, oh my God, like who is this person that I never knew of? And then he he plays like a pretty small part in the film, which I was like... Cool to be like, I go by one name, and it doesn't matter oh. that I'm in uh, one and a half scenes. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. It's about him. A working actor. Anna, how's your week been? My week has been good. Last night, I had a dream that our friend Rachel was eating dog food, <gasps> which is the only thing I can remember. Oh, my God. We were walking around our neighborhood, and she's like, I brought. <laughs> um, what is the... You can eat dog. It won't hurt you, you to can't, eat. You can't. It won't turn you into a dog, <laughs> okay, to answer well, your question. Get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, how was your week it was good uh, we're i guess we're on a theme park kick our chris and i chris and i really made the uninformed decision to buy year-round passes to universal studios hollywood which we did because we were like well it's too small of a park to just spend a day at so i guess we'll just get a ticket for forever like it just <laughs> it makes no sense but chris has gone i believe 12 times everyone because people are always in town they're like i want to go to universal studios we're like okay but our pass is about to run out, so we went to Universal Studios yesterday. 
um, which was very fun. And then we saw Argyle, which this podcast is sponsored by. So everybody go see Argyle, Argyle. the film. It's a cat in a box. <laughs> and every billboard for it is Dua Lipa front and center. And then literally uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is teeny tiny. Yeah. With her half her face covered by a book. Yes. I was like, this is violent. <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard is across the street on the billboard. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's she's running late for the billboard. She's like, oh, so, uh, someone told me it was canceled. <laughs> I thought we weren't doing billboard. Dua Lipa's screen time in the movie is equivalent to when you see someone in an active gathering who says hi, but never stops moving. Wow, really? Yeah, she's barely. She really is on the billboards. She really is on the billboards. She, that, that got negotiated. Her billboard... The clause of her contract, front and center. Clause. Clause and That's cat. the cat. Yeah. Um, I believed a theory about Argyle that it was written by Taylor Swift really aggressively. Yeah. Um, which we asked our friend Liz, who's a Taylor Swift. I was going to say apologist, but that feels like shots fired. Yeah, no, no. Taylor, she's a Swifty and she, she was like, no, this came up three months ago. It's not true. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I was like, well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. And then the movie ended and I was like... This movie costs $200 million. I <laughs> guess it would have to have been written by Taylor Swift. It also, my first thought when I left the movie was, you know, in Speed, where the whole thing is that if the bus ever slows down, it's going to blow up. Uh-huh. This movie felt like it was written by someone who, if they ever stopped writing the movie, their heart was going to explode. It, oh, crank. It just, it just keeps... It ju- I won't give any spoilers, but every new scene is like, and then blah, 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 blah. Oh, like, it's man. Like, it's just so much wildness in it's a kid who's not allowed to have sugar at a at a at a class party where there's cupcakes <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> telling a story <laughs> i know oh cool yeah he's gonna go home with a little bit of purple on the edge of his mouth and the mom is gonna be furious oh my god just gonna take him out of school um anna i can't think of a segue into the subject of today's podcast and i don't think you should have to um i spent some t- like i had some options for what today's podcast podcast was going to be one of which was about scary bathrooms but almost <gasps> all of the ones that i found were like this person harmed themselves in this bed and it's like no we're not doing it's not like a famous person died you know the no. most interesting thing i could find is that calvin coolidge died in a bathroom he had a heart attack on the toilet and then he hit his head on a sink oh yeah so That's I didn't want tough. to do that. That was tough. Even being a president will prevent you from dying on the toilet. <laughs> There's nothing that can keep you safe from dying on the toilet. I think presidents must live in fewer bathrooms because Taft got stuck in the tub. Coolidge died on the toilet. And that's it. Two uh, James K. Of- Polk got flushed down the sink. Yeah. <laughs> he went, aye. There also is, yeah, I was thinking and then like haunted bathrooms. And, and again, but again, it's like, it's it, it tends to be not great. It's bummer. like this toilet flushes. Yeah. It's a bummer room. It's a bummer room. So instead. Um, so instead, Anna, I decided to look up history's unluckiest human beings. Okay. That's really good, Andrew. And Were I, you number one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of these, I really am like, well, here we go. Um, and some of these, Anna, I think you're going to be really compelled by. Great. Uh, I'm not going to read all of them, but this is from a Mental Floss article titled 10 of the Unluckiest People in History Perfect. by Jason Serafino. And these are uh, these are some excerpts. Uh, number one on his list is Katsis Mitsotakis. And um, he is famous for in a town that uh, everybody won the lottery. He is the one person who did not win the lottery. What? On December 22nd, 2011, the small Spanish village of Sodeto transformed from a rural farming community into a suddenly wealthy enclave, thanks to a lottery worth $950 million. Oh, that's a lot. Everyone in the town shared in the riches. Well, everyone except for 
one man. <laughs> Spain's Christmas time lottery known as El Gordo, or the fat one, isn't exactly like the Powerball you may be familiar with. The government prints out multiple series of tickets with the numbers from zero to nine. 99,999 and distributes them to local offices through the country. This is the Hunger Games. Um, the, the government does yes. this? Okay. Uh, anyone who can purchase a single ticket for, anyone can purchase a single ticket for 200 euros and it's common to then break the tickets down into tenths or even smaller fractions for people who don't want to pay the full price. Okay. Each year, Sudeto's local housewives association would buy a collection of these tickets and knock on every door in town to sell them off by a quarter of a tenth of a full ticket. That feels wild. It was basically a way to raise money for town functions. You'd pay an extra five euros to get in the game and throw in an extra euro for the association's community efforts. More money got you more entries and by extension, a larger share of any hypothetical winnings. For the 2011 drawing, as a piece in GQ explains, a woman named Carmen from the Housewives Association chose to buy 6,000 euros worth of tickets, wow. all marked 58,268. Everyone in the village participated in the yearly tradition, knowing that they would probably all lose the lottery, but enjoying the dream of cashing it together. And that year, they cashed in in a big way. When the village's number was drawn, word spread quickly throughout the town. People flooded the streets in celebration, waking up Costas Mitsotakis, a filmmaker. That's not it. Mitsotakis, a filmmaker from Greece who had originally moved to a barn on the outskirts of the village to be with his girlfriend. That relationship did not work out, but you'd be hard-pressed to oh, say... does that mean that she also won? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be hard-pressed to say that it was the unluckiest moment for Mitsotakis in Spain. It seems the Housewives Association simply forgot to reach out to him that year, leaving him on the outside looking in as the massive winnings were eventually split between 70 households. Prices, prizes ranged from 130,000 130, to a few million per household, depending on the amount of full tickets or ticket fractions a person bought. Mitsotakis explained to the New York Times that it would have been nice to be part of the winnings, but he didn't seem to hold a grudge. He even plans on releasing a documentary about the impact of the lottery no. Sunday. How yeah. are you going to pay for it, bud? Yeah, I know. Donations? <laughs> um, <laughs> There's going to be so many executive producers on that. The- <laughs> 999,000 EPs. What the hell? <laughs> I, how would you feel? I would, I feel, I felt like I am him. Yes. I really relate. I thought this was going to be a story about they knocked on his door and he said, no, or like he pretended he wasn't home. But instead, they'd just be totally forgotten. They just forgot. Yeah. Which is worse? I think saying no is worse. Because okay. I it like it also seems like he was a relative recent transplant. To sure, this and he's area. on the edge of town in a barn. Yeah, you don't assume someone's in a barn when you see a barn. No, no, you're, you're like, not- oh, maybe hay. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, hay lives there. You're not like it's a guy on a laptop. Anna, I didn't even think about the fact that his ex won as well. <laughs> that I think that would be hard. Hey, how are you? You look great. <laughs> how have you been? Oh, I didn't win the lottery. Oh, what? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, yeah. Have you been enjoying having time to yourself? In the barn? In the yeah. barn? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's citing the reason he dumped her. Right, right. I assume he dumped... Yeah, which is worse. You oh, dump the person or they dump the lottery? you. Yeah. I guess getting dumped by them. That is hard. Either way, I wouldn't want to be forgotten by a Spanish town that all... Like I don't know. I, I picture like a lot of sweet songs, like yeah, Disney ish. We're banging pillowcases. 
we're banging pillowcases. Yeah, not to clean them. Just yeah, yeah. We're, we're freaking out. Yeah, what's the showing gratitude to first responders? Oh yeah, everyone, <laughs> get out your window, bang your pillowcases. They're sleeping. We don't want to wake them up. <laughs> Uh, wow, that is unlucky, Andrew. It's unlucky, but not as unlucky as Wilmer McLean. Oh. It's bad enough having unwanted guests come over, but what about an unwanted army? How about two unwanted armies? That's the fate that befell Wilmer McLean, who lived on a farm in the Manassas area of Virginia. If Manassas sounds familiar, it's because it was the site of the first Battle of Bull Run, the 1861 military engagement that was the first major land conflict of the American Civil War. The violence took place pretty much right on top of McLean's land, with Confederate forces using his home as their headquarters. At one point, a cannonball broke through the house and landed in the kitchen. Ah. McLean, a former member of the Virginia militia. Uh Uh-oh, I don't feel bad about it. You know what? You, it's not Wilmer. unlucky if you if you pick probably the, one of the most uh, consequentially historical wrong sides of all time. Yep. Um, who's apparently fine with the ordeal at first, though he probably wasn't looking forward to the cleanup afterwards. Then the very next year, it happened all over again. Union and Confederate soldiers squared off for the second Battle of Bull Run, again on McLean's doorstep. In all, the battles racked up about 20,000 casualties, leaving McLean no other choice than to sell the land and move his pregnant wife 100 miles away to avoid his property being used as makeshift army quarters. But unfortunately, he just so happened to wind up moving to the community (laughs) of Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia. In 1865, the war found Willie again. This time, his home became the scene of General Robert E. Lee's surrender to (gasps) Union General Ulysses S. Grant, leading a most likely exasperated McLean to allegedly say, the war began in my front yard and ended in my parlor. Shut up, Wilmer. Yeah, Wilmer. Hey, shut the fuck up. Get over yourself. Go away. <laughs> and then a war will follow you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Two times. That Three times, I guess. Three times. Yeah, that, that, you're right. Oh, um, run. Man, that is very silly. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of war ones that I'm like, no, I don't think so. But uh, then they mentioned Ronald Wayne, who's one of the original founding members of Apple. And then he, he pulled out before it became a success. Yeah. That's a big bummer. Jason's nodding straightly. Um, <laughs> these next ones, we're about to get wild. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. This next one is Anne Hodges. During the afternoon of November 30th, 1954, people across parts of Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi reported a a bright red flash in the sky. According to National Geographic, people suspected everything from a fiery plane crash to the Russians could be responsible. What those onlookers actually saw was a 4.5 billion-year-old meteorite that was on a collision course with a 34-year-old woman named Anne Hodges. Anne... I know it's not funny. I'm laughing because I know this will happen to me. <laughs> and we know it will. I, my life is a collision course towards a meteorite. We all know it. Oh my the incident God. took place around 2 p.m. when Hodges was jolted awake from a midday nap after the 8.5 pound chunk of meteorite rock crashed through her ceiling, ricocheted off her radio, and made a beeline into her left side. It's even crazier that it ricocheted off the radio. <laughs> It was trying to get her. Yes. It kick flipped off the radio. It kick flipped off. It did an the ollie. Radio. <laughs> oh, um, the whole thing turned Hodges and the gnarly black bruise on her side into a minor celebrity. It didn't kill her. That's remarkable. That's and just a bruise. I definitely pictured broken skin. Yeah, I know. So that that could be that could be less lucky. A meteorite. Yes. 
Um, what year did this happen in? Uh, 54. Oh, Anne. 54, November 54. Um, this next one's Roy Sullivan. The odds of you being struck by lightning aren't quite as minuscule as getting hit by a meteorite, but it's still pretty rare. In a given year, the chances are about 1 in 500,000. The odds of getting struck twice in your lifetime, you're looking at 1 in 9 million. By the seventh time, though, you have no. to wonder if the universe just has it in for you. No. Maybe that was going through park ranger Roy Sullivan's head as he entered the Guinness Book of World Records in 1977 as the person to survive the most lightning strikes in history. The first strike went down in 1942 and cost Roy the nail on his big toe. <gasps> what? I don't... I, I The fact that lightning court, like follows a course... Yes. Yes. It went it was like I go to the toe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> I just in in the most in most gr- the most graceful terms, I imagine it got struck by lightning and it was such a big force that the toe the toenail just boink just like flew off. God, yeah, I wonder. But if you're a nurse, write in. Yeah, if you're a nurse, please do write in. Um Roy was in in store for six more strikes that went down in 69, 70, 72, 73, 76, and 77. Here's the thing. You know he didn't enjoy 74 or 75 because he's just waiting for the next one. He was like, I think I might have been a little bit. (laughs) You would know. Yeah. That... Well, the fa- when you said park ranger, I was like, well, he's outside all the time. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Oh, this is wild. The strike in 72 even caused his hair to catch fire. And in <gasps> 73, he was struck again, causing him to lose the very hair he had just regrown. What's going on, Roy? Roy, is everything okay at home? Roy, go inside. What's wrong? What's wrong with inside? After the second time, I don't know that I'm ever going outside again. He's addicted. He's addicted. I think you're right. I think he loved it. He loved it. <laughs> um, these now we're getting really wild here. Adolf Sachs. And Anna, huh. this is good. You'll like this. Adolf Sachs's name lives on through his invention, oh. the saxophone. No. But that's hardly the only musical instrument he put his name to. Name to. He also created the sax tromba, sax horn, and sax tuba. Oh no! But oh no! He's a one-hit wonder. His other his other claim to fame is far more <laughs> absurd. Sack suffered a comical <laughs> string of near-death experiences that would be right at home in a Harold Lloyd movie. It started as a young child when Sax toppled down three flights of stairs, punctuating the mishap by whacking his head on a rock and, as the story goes, ending up in a coma. There was also the time he fell onto a lit stove and suffered burns across his body and the episode in which poor Sax nearly drowned in a river and was fished out by someone passing by. Sax also had numerous run-ins with poison, including the time he drank some, mistaking it for milk. What? Hey, Dolph. You silly goose. What kind of milk poison do you have around the house? (laughs) And then there's the time a roof tile fell on his head and knocked him out. Oh, and the time he was blown across the room by exploding gunpowder. These these various calamities even led his mother to say, he's a child condemned to misfortune. He won't live. Sachs miraculously escaped all these near calamities with just some bruises, a few burns, and a reputation for being somewhat of a klutz. And maybe that reputation would have been all he was ever known for, if not for the fact that it just so happened that he invented one of the most popular musical instruments on the planet. He got it right. He got it right. If I got one thing right. I don't love that three out of six of those things have happened to me. I didn't fall on a lit stove. The lit stove fell on you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I didn't. That's choose. your Real Housewives tagline. Um, and now we're really we're kind of in we're in slapstick mode. Um, Gene Rogers. If Sax's slapstick shenanigans sound unbelievable, the tales of Gene Rogers will probably be even harder to wrap your head around. They start at the age of 18 when, according to her, she fell off a cruise ship while trying to snap some pictures. She apparently kept backing up and backing up until she toppled over a railing. Her friend tried to get help, but then she slipped on the wet deck and knocked herself unconscious. She eventually came to and wondered what happened to Gene. No one knew what she was talking about, and Jean was left bobbing in the water on a life preserve oh. preserver until the ship swung around and scooped her up. Jean. A few years later, while Jean was delivering cosmetic orders in a Connecticut suburb, her young son looked up and said, Mommy, funny bird. Suddenly, she was under attack from a bat in broad daylight as she desperately went from door to door looking for help. She was greeted by shrieks from the neighbors. This apparently led the distressed bat to dig its claws into her scalp even harder and proceed to urinate on her head. Eventually, someone basically threw their car keys at Jean, who had to drive herself and the bat to a local vet. The vet intern threw the a bag. Vet? Yes. Why you don't be concerned about the bat? Go to the uh, fucking hospital. This bat's pee doesn't smell healthy. I oh, get, I think he's I dehydrated. He's got crystals in his urine. <laughs> the vet intern threw a bag over her head and filled it with smoke <laughs> to knock the bat oh, out. You're so ugly. Jesus. <laughs> in the end, the bat had ripped a chunk of Jeannie's hair out, oh, forcing geez. her to wear a beret for three months. <laughs> Forcing. <laughs> you could have picked any a medical beret. <laughs> You're French now. You're French. Sorry. Um, but her plight was far from over. What? Um, Jean was mugged, fell into an open manhole, and was almost killed by her own husband. What? What? She was also struck by lightning twice, with one of the strikes blowing off her shoes. Okay, Jean, well, whatever. No, Jean. you're lucky you kept your toenail. Jean, oh my, what happened? Does it have a picture of Jean? It doesn't, but all of this ranges from absurd to really tragic and genuinely terrifying. But the coup de grace, the main event, so to speak, came one day when Jean was swimming at the local YMCA in Hartford, Connecticut, when she heard over the intercom that someone named Rogers was being paged. Jean decided to lift herself out of the water and see what the message was all about. But somehow, as with most things in her life, things went sideways. She accidentally wound up tugging on a man's swimsuit. Bless you. Uh, she accidentally wound up tugging on a man's swimsuit as they both tried to get out of the pool, causing his suit to come down and give bystanders an unexpected show. The man, another Rogers, who thought he was getting paged. It just so happened to be Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Mr. Rogers, <laughs> whose entire neighborhood was out in the open for the YMCA to see. When, <laughs> when, when interviewed in the Bangor Daily News in 2007, Jean summed up her feelings by saying, Dying doesn't scare me, but living scares the crap out of me. <laughs> she, she pantsed Mr. Rogers. This is... This is a woman who got a medical beret by force of bat <laughs> and then and then turned Mr. Rogers into an unviolent sex criminal. Like somehow of all the things, including almost getting killed by her husband, like showing people <laughs> Mr. Rogers' dick, yes. multiple people, that I think is the worst one. <laughs> 
I can't Living believe. scares the crap out of me. I guess I'm like, I, I imagine a bat attack to be fast. Not long enough to endure going to multiple oh, yeah. doors. <laughs> it's That's a half hour at least. <laughs> <It's> hour. <laughs> that is, honestly, that's the way to canvas for a political campaign. Ah, <laughs> give me your car. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was saying they threw their car keys at her to like help get the get bat, the bat off. off of her, no. but they were like, drive yourself, <laughs> drive yourself to the vet. Just Jean. shoot her at that point. <laughs> There's no coming back from this. I don't care what else is on your list. Urinating on your head. Oh, Gene. It's peeing on me. It's. Pe- <laughs> I just feel. And then, then the last one is uh, Steve Bartman who um, caught the the ball at a 2003 like Wrigley Field game and it like messed up that guy yeah that guy there's like a whole I think there's a documentary about him oh yeah that would make sense yeah that he had severe mental health issues after that yeah people, everyone hated him yeah I think it was pointed out that it like wasn't his fault or something or like it wouldn't have made a difference I don't yeah I'm not or sure or that they forgave him or something it was they something. did they did when they won years later they did end up giving him a championship ring Oh, that's really sweet. But he left his, he, he like the remainder, I mean, not the remainder of his life. He's continued to, to be unassuming and not really in public life. Yeah. I can't get over these, Anna. I mean, do you have a favorite? I, I, it's gotta be Gene. It's gotta be Gene. I, I guess I'm just, there's a lot of that that is so bewildering to me. I think a lot of people uh, fall off cruise ships. Um, <laughs> My also famously, my my aunt, who's who for years was in the FBI, said to me like, "Never go on a cruise ship with someone who you're like with like someone you're new to a relationship with, because they because a lot of people end up falling over the the sides of the cruise ships and then you don't my find God. them." That's yeah. good advice. Good advice. Um, yeah, that I mean, that's a crazy story falling off a cruise ship, but I do feel like it happens. Yeah, the, cruise ship. Bat P neighborhood Mr. Rogers dick. Yeah. That's P smoke bat keys car. To so embarrass a beloved childhood figure would be hard, I I think. Yeah, at that point it's like this is something about you. Right. Like this isn't just bad luck. Yeah. You are courting this. I which which was which is your favorite, Anna? A uh, Gene. Yeah, it's gotta be Gene. I'm stunned there's not been a movie starring I don't know who gene smart gene smart gene smart is gene yeah through the ages yeah um i just can't believe that a footnote in her story is that she was struck by lightning twice or that her husband tra- or that her husband tried to kill her that yeah like we're not even thinking about that yeah like like i can see why that wouldn't be in a mental floss listicle be like oh there was long-standing issues between her and her husband like i can see why that wouldn't be like a flashy thing but but also like if you fell off a cruise ship and a bat peed on you yeah and oh my god and then your the entry from before pointed out that getting struck by lightning twice you're one in nine million one in nine million that is wild i mean in i guess the most deaths by lightning strike are in florida or they were when i was in the uh geography b oh wow yeah uh, why is that there's no tall structures or something i think i think it's because it's a peninsula and so a lot of mm. uh weather systems are coming through and uh, yeah it's all lowland mm. so um and and it's outdoorsy people are outdoors all year round which i'm sure would have something to do with it 
Is there like lightning tourism? Like people who like lightning? Chris is a weather boy. I, I think there are like storm chasers. Yeah, storm, but, but, storm, but yeah, lightning chasers. But I want to watch. photograph lightning. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I would get into that. I think another thing, just just to go back to the guy who had multiple battles on his property, that is a that is a bonkers like in in all throughout like the East Coast and everywhere. I mean, it's like I know there's there's violence in every corner of America, but like in New Hampshire, growing up, there'd just be little graveyards on people's property. Mm-hmm. Um, which now it's funny that we're now like, no, everybody's dead goes into this place. Not you don't get to put your own graveyard on your property anymore. Yeah, I think there just like wasn't concrete or something. So yeah. then it was like you can just like have a cemetery. Yeah. That feels wild to me. Yeah. Well, also that I guess there were more people. That's not true. But like on the side of my house growing up, I have a bunch of goldfish buried because we I had a lot of goldfish. Oh. And then when they died, I just put them on the side of the house. Maybe yeah. in 50 years it'll be like, "What?" Yeah, or and, and maybe in maybe in a thousand years when they're doing dig-ups over there and they're yeah. like this whole this there was this was a society led by goldfish. They'll be like they hid. <laughs> I buried them in jewelry boxes. Is the context for this joke? Wow. They'll be like they hid their jewelry underground, and it was very stinky. <laughs> in jewelry boxes, not like hard ones. Like if you bought something from J.C. Penney and it had, I guess you haven't received a ton of jewelry in your life. That's yeah, sad. Not a ton. Like a little cardboard box with like some kind of decoration or foil on the outside. Yeah. And then on the inside was like a little thin foam layer. Oh yes, I do remember seeing those yeah. boxes being. Very yeah, so I would I would wrap them in toilet paper and put them on that. That's really nice. That was just mostly because I didn't want to look at them. Yeah, no, that's fair. I I I know I've told this story on the pod before, and it's a source of great guilt for me. Um, my parents said that if I could keep like a carnival goldfish alive for a year, that I could get a dog. Well, that's pr- insane. It was insane. And I did. I kept that. I kept that fish alive. Wow. What kind of setup were you working with? I, so initially um, he used to be in a, a Vigo breadcrumbs container. That was like a big cl- clear plastic jug oh. that I was just like, got to keep it alive. Got to keep it. Alive. I bought a book, how to keep goldfish alive. And then I saved up money and we bought like a more proper uh-huh. like t- tank that would get oxygen in and aerated. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and so then I, the night before we got our puppy, uh, I was like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to take care of two pets at once. And I, my, I was eight years old and I, I had seen a commercial, not a commercial. That's not true. I had seen in some TV show that when you, flush a fish down the it toilet goes to the ocean. it goes to the ocean and so i was like well this sounds right but i still kind of felt guilty about it and i i scooped the, the fish was named he-man i scooped the fish into the toilet and i didn't even have to flush it just swam down there oh i remember that i flushed to be safe but i but it was just like nope i'm ready to go he-man he-man yeah so i i don't know i feel like i i did my due diligence i gave he-man a very good life for a year but he was ready to move on to greener pastures I think he was excited about the toilet he was excited about the toilet. I almost, there was a time when he had, you know, fish, like they poop. There's like a trail of poop yeah. that is on them. Big ol'. One time it wasn't coming off for like a week. And I was like, I think we got to go to a doctor about this. And to hear my <laughs> mom try to logic through with me, like why that wasn't going to work was, was crazy. <laughs> that she was sweet. like, this, all life is valuable. This Life cost a dollar and its lifespan is a few weeks. And I was yeah. like, uh-huh. 
and we will go to the vet because yeah. Yeah. why are we having this conversation? <laughs> I'll get I'll back it out of the driveway. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. How long did what was the longest lasting fish you had? I had some good ones. They were all named after characters from the Mummy or um, the Canadian television series Do South. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I had a tank going for like six or so years. That's great. Or longer. And but then I also had betta fish, and I made my betta fish last for like four years, <gasps> which is not that impressive if you talk to betta people. They can live to be eight years. <laughs> but yeah, I, I took pretty bad care of them but pretty consistent Mm -hmm. it was usually after i would change their water that they'd be like ah and die which is not because i didn't treat the water properly it's because they liked dirt oh they were dirt lovers people people listen i can hear the fish people in the comments saying well that's because you didn't treat the water i treated the water that is what we've we've talked quite a bit about um the in-between pets that you have on on this podcast like that are not that are not like rabbits or um, cats yeah. or dogs. Ones that parents are like, well, this will take up less space. Yeah, and this will be okay. I, I one time I was really on a kick trying to get my parents to get me a dog when I was a little kid, and one time instead they bought me three small crabs, <laughs> and I just really didn't like the process of taking care of them. And I brought them to school one day, and they were in a, a large Cool Whip container with a bunch of interesting rocks, and I just didn't take them home. And my teacher was like, Andrew, you're crabs. You take them home. And I was like, oh, no, no. They're for the class. I got them for the class. And then what happened? And then we took care of the crabs there for a while. Wow, it worked? It worked. What a good scheme. It was. It really was a good scheme. I've, I've only done something like that once afterwards in my life. And that was our first day of college where I didn't, I didn't yet understand how breakfast worked. And before our first day, which we had a dance class, I like oh, ran yeah. to the dining hall and filled up like a little tub with um, Fruit Loops. And then mm-hmm. I came and I was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna eat this. I'm not gonna." Have to. So like, I just left it on the side. And then at the end of class, the dance TA was like, "Oh, um, someone left their Fruit Loops here." And I was like, "Oh, who did? Who who could have left?" I was like looking around, like that's crazy. Like no one brought like a, a plastic container filled with nothing but Fruit Loops. I was like, no, I don't, I don't hmm. know anything about, did someone, I, when, when we find them, should we like get them? <laughs> should we hit them a little bit? Yeah. God, that sucks because dry fruit loops would be the best, um, fuel for before a rigorous dance class. <laughs> yes. You need that glucose. <laughs> of which not to put Anna on the spot, but Anna was a star in this dance class. Thank you. Really was. It's, it was really hard. I do think that they were like, let's just get them jumping up and down for an hour and a <laughs> yeah. half. These kids are soft. <laughs> that is true. It was a lot of jumping yeah, up and down. A lot of comfortable kids. <laughs> Man, Andrew, we've lived a life, haven't we? We sure have. Anna, what would you say, was there a time, just speaking of luck to bring us home, mm-hmm. was there a time that you felt like, wow, that was lucky? Like a moment that felt lucky to you? <sighs> Definitely there are ones that are more but the first thing i thought was i won a radio contest when i was <gasps> 10 to meet mandy moore at the broadway mall in long island you won a meet and greet with mandy moore i did well no, i got I to go to the this. front of a line did i would we never talk about this i don't think so i got to leave school early oh my i God. wore a silver shirt and silver lipstick <gasps> it was um it was a game called the bs game on z100's uh, z morning zoo I didn't know what BS meant. 
I did ask them and they thought it was very cute. And they were like, we're not telling you. And then I was like, oh, it's bullshit. Um, But it was where they, it's basically like you have to pick out the fact. And they were like, a dewlap is A, blah, blah, blah. And then it was, so I remember calling in and I called Z100 a ton. This is back, you have to understand in those days, you called a radio station because it's what we did. Yeah. Um, There was no candy crush. You had to call the radio. You had to call the radio to crush candy. (laughs) And I got through, which I couldn't believe. It felt like calling the White House. They were like, you're on hold. (laughs) Stand by. And I was like, I'm an adult. (laughs) And I got through and they were like, or they, and they asked me what's the, what, uh, which one I was like, doolap is a flap of skin under a cow's neck. And they were like, yes, please hold. Stand by. Turn your radio down. And, I got through and they were like, hi, this is Anna. You're on the Z Morning Zoo. What's your answer? And I said, see a flap of skin under a cow's neck. And then they played the um, their, the sound effect that they'd play when you got it right, which was a guy from the 1950s going, that's right. And then ding, 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 ding. And I screamed. And my dad was in the bathroom shaving because it was before school. Yeah. And he came running out because he thought uh, something was really wrong. Yeah, but I was like, I what? I was holding a phone screaming. And my dad was like, well, (laughs) okay, all right, this is going to be this. And I got, uh, by and large, what I got was not that exciting. It was, I got a free CD. Mm -hmm. I went to a mall concert, which in those days, you have to understand, we were doing concerts in malls. Yes. And it was Mandy Moore's um, uh, self-titled debut album. I think she was 15 years old. Yeah. And she performed a couple songs, including the hit Candy. Candy. A candy Crush. Candy, and then. Yeah, we didn't have Candy Crush. We had Candy by Mandy Moore. We yeah. did. Um, and the prize was that I got a free CD and I got to skip the line to get the CD signed. Oh, cool. And I have a picture of me somewhere with her where I'm like leaning over the, <laughs> the folding table, like. Uh, I look like a full adult, but child <laughs> and like with silver lipstick on like, uh. and she's like, <laughs> and I got to leave class early and my class didn't believe me until I showed them the oh, picture. And the sweet satisfaction I'm sure you got from showing that picture. Oh, I was yeah. like, eat this motherfuckers. <laughs> None of you will amount to anything. Yeah. Yeah. I met the future star of this is us. I did. I did. She's going to be on Dr. Death. (laughs) And Edgar Ramirez is going to have higher billing than her. And none of us are going to know why. Yes, we know it's his show, but she's Mandy Moore. (laughs) That is very lucky, Anna. Yeah. Wow. Andrew, what about you? What was your luckiest? Um, I'm trying to think. I think there have been times when I've almost been killed and I'm like, thank God. Like that that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I think like there. Oh, there was one time there was a brush with death I had that I really was like that would have been so crazy. I was doing a show called Streep Show where mm-hmm. it was like every Meryl Streep character like in a battle royale against each other and like one had to remain victorious. And I was playing Meryl Streep from August Osage County, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to wear heels, which was great. But um, <laughs> in between shows one day, it was during New York Pride. I was running out to go get a sandwich, and I was still in like strong Meryl Streep drag makeup and just, but like normal, you know, man clothes. And I was, and I was crossing, um, I was crossing the street diagonally. It was like an, it was like a quiet street. But what I hadn't taken into consideration is there was a very narrow alley that looked like no car could possibly go through. And a car zoomed out right before I was about to take a step into the alley. I really believe I would have been killed. And it would have been 
so wild to have been killed in Meryl Streep makeup. Yeah. And I, I was just very grateful for that. Like it would have made a great story ever. Like everyone could have written their at the time. Facebook status is about like nice things about me, but also like very fitting that he died in Meryl drag. Like, but I, I felt like it wasn't my time. It wasn't your time. Yeah. God said, not yet. God said, not God said, yet. I have enough angels. <laughs> We're not accepting any more angels yeah, right now. Meryl's- Cause none of the angels are graduating or they thought I was Meryl. Cause it was such convincing makeup. And they were like, oh my God. she still has multiple nominations ahead of her. They were like, I can't be known for this. Yeah. God, Anna, I'm so I remember that story and I'm really glad that it didn't happen. I yeah, forever very relieved that that didn't happen. I do feel like I feel like my death will be shocking. It will be akin to something like this. I I, but but I think we can all feel okay with it because I'm at peace with it. Yeah, you know, I want to fight you on it, but I feel like what would happen to me is I would get my swim trunks pulled down by Gene and then the meteorite would come and and burrow through my head. (laughs) As it bonks off of every one of the flags over the pool. <laughs> oh my well, god! This was a, this was an unusual sort of scary episode. But I love it. Yeah, it's, unluckiness. It's the 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 scariness of fate. The scariness of fate. And you know what else is scary? Get, Get out. out.